Hello and welcome to this episode of OC Talks, the podcast series brought to you by Oncology Central. I'm Rachel Jenkins, Senior Editor of Oncology Central, and today I'm joined by Professor Arndt Vogel, a Senior Consultant and Professor of Gastrointestinal Oncology in the Department of Gastroenterology, Hepatology and Endocrinology at Hanover Medical School. Arndt and I are going to discuss cholangiocarcinoma, the challenges of the field and any promising avenues for therapy. Arndt, to start us off, please could you give us a brief overview of cholangiocarcinoma as a disease and kind of the current treatment landscape? Yes, of course. Um, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. In respect to cholangiocarcinoma, I think um, usually we are talking about biliary tract cancer, which actually comprises three different tumor types. It's intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma, extrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma, and also gallbladder cancer. And because it's a, it's a very rare cancer, they're usually grouped together as binary tract cancer. And in all clinical trials we have performed so far, which were basically using chemotherapy, we did not really make a difference and all patients were basically included into the trials. And in terms of efficacy of the chemotherapy we are using, to treat these patients with advanced disease, there were never really significant differences between the three tumor types. In respect to the treatment, I think in general we can distinguish potentially curative treatment and uh, palliative treatment. Of course, we are trying to apply curative um, treatment, which is usually um, surgery. Unfortunately, however, because of the tumor location or extrahepatic metastases, we cannot really apply surgery to all of our patients and many of, of our patients are basically diagnosed in a very advanced stage and once surgery um, is now option anymore we would apply chemotherapy overall there's one established first-line chemotherapy gemcitabin and cisplatin based on a phase three study um, published uh, 10 years ago and then there was not much else we could do for our patients. I mean, in, in the second line setting, we tended to use irinotecan based or oxaliplatin based combinations without any evidence. And very recently, the ABCO6 study was published, providing evidence that um, Folfox might be an option compared to best active tumor control for patients with, uh, who basically failed gemcitabin cisplatin first line chemotherapy. Overall, however, the prognosis is very poor and the median overall survival is only around one um, year currently. So in terms of the hurdles in the way of advancing treatment and developing that second line therapy, what would you say are the major challenges that need to be tackled? Yeah, so I think we tried in the past um, different chemotherapies and they are nice uh, meta-analyses providing what we can expect from chemotherapy. But I think overall we have to acknowledge that these bilateral tract cancers are basically not very sensitive to chemotherapy. And therefore, I mean, we made some progress in systemic therapy in the past and specifically immunotherapy basically was introduced. Unfortunately, just one checkpoint inhibitor is most likely not to be sufficient to, to really achieve a good tumor control in, in cholangiocarcinoma. So here we also need additional strategies to, to introduce immunotherapy in bilateral tract cancer. So at the moment, it's not really an option in our daily clinical practice. And the other progress or um, advantage um, we have made in the past is basically the better understanding of the genetic alteration, which 
actually lead to hyaluronicarcinoma. And very interestingly, despite it's a rare tumor and it's a very heterogeneous tumor, it appears that around 40 to 50% of patients have genetic alterations that would allow targeted uh, molecular therapies. And among these genetic alterations, I mean, they are usually very rare. The most frequent ones occurring in around 15% of patients are FGFR2 fusions, IDH1 mutations. And then we also have some patients that are MSI, have BRAF mutations or NTRAC fusions. So there are a couple of genetic alterations that allow basically targeted therapies. The hurdle here is that in contrast to chemotherapy, which we would apply to all patients, we are really aiming here for a very selected subgroup of patients of a rare cancer, uh, indicating that it's really difficult to perform these phase three studies to get basically approval by FDA and EMA and to use these drugs in, in our daily clinical life. The potential biomarkers that you just mentioned, are you involved with or aware of any ongoing clinical trials regarding FGR, F2 fusions? Yes. So for all these biomarkers I mentioned before, we, for a couple of them, we have at least phase two data. And um, we actually already have one completed phase three study, which is for IDH1 mutations. And here, ibozidinib, an IDH1 inhibitor, has shown efficacy in these patients in the second-line setting. And we will see whether and how this drug is basically introduced into, into, into the clinic. At the moment, there's no approval by FDA or EMA. In respect to the FGFR2 fusion, it's kind of interesting that even if we do not really have a lot of patients, there are a lot of companies that are basically interested in these uh, population of patients um, because there are a couple of FGFR inhibitors around which um, have shown efficacy in, in early phase two studies. And I personally was involved in the FI202 study, which looked at the efficacy of pemigatinib in uh, patients with FGFR2 alterations. It was basically a three arm uh, phase two study looking at patients without genetic alterations in BFGFR, seen uh, patients with mutations in BFGFR receptor and also patients with FGFR2 fusions. And um, very interestingly with pemigatinib, we were able to achieve a very high disease control rate of uh, more than 80% and partial response and, com uh, and some complete responses in around 30 6% of um, patients indicating that pemigatinib and FGFR inhibition can be highly effective in at least in the second-line setting of um, hyaluronicarcinoma. And this is also one of the differences to what I mentioned before. I mean, in the past, we basically looked at all the different groups, extra intrahepatic uh, uh, hyaluronicarcinoma and gallbladder cancer. In respect to the genetic alterations, it appears that these FGFR2 fusion and IDH mutations we can specifically find them in um, intrahepatic hyaluronicarcinoma. So it's a, it's a subgroup, a genetically defined subgroup of patients with intrahepatic hyaluronicarcinoma. To close us off, how do you hope the future of cholangiocarcinoma will evolve, focusing mainly on the next five to 10 years? Yeah, so I think we have now seen with all these FGFR2 inhibitors efficacy in patients with FGFR2 fusions. Um, these trials have been specifically done in the second-line setting, and interestingly, at least three of them, pemigatinib, futibatinib, and infigratinib, are all now developed in, in, in the first-line setting in phase three studies, which are all ongoing. So these are really uh, big studies with hundreds of patients 
and I'm, I'm convinced that this will be a challenge to, to fully recruit these, these studies. But I think we have now really introduced the way that in, in Cholangiocarcinoma, we will look at the genetic alteration. And this is, I think, the, really the, the next step within the next one to five years, um, where we will perform these clinical trials, both phase two and phase three studies in these genetically defined subgroups. And I think one next step could be the introduction of immunotherapy. So we have here seen the first interesting results for um, dual checkpoint inhibition or checkpoint inhibition in combination with chemotherapy. And I could envision that also the combination of targeted therapies with immunotherapies could be quite effective. So I think there are a couple of ways how we will proceed in, in the next years. And I, I could imagine that just chemotherapy is probably will not really evolve much further. I, I do not really see any promising combination at the moment. And for the targeted therapies, I think we do have a couple of targets that are available. And I, I truly hope that we will have more drugs available to also target more frequent alterations, such as KRAS and NRAS, for example. And we have seen the first KRAS inhibitors. But for, for many of these gener um, alterations, we already have drugs available, such as the BRAF mutations, for example, which there were quite successful trials, not only in melanoma, but also in colon cancer. And we also have uh, interesting data for combinations in, with uh, BRAF mutant, mutant um, cholangiocarcinoma. So in respect to these uh, druggable alterations, I think we will certainly make more progress um, in the next years. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Aunt. It was really interesting to hear all about cholangiocarcinoma and the kind of the potential of FGR, F2 inhibitors. So thank you very much. Sure. Thank you to anyone listening to this podcast. If you'd like to hear more, you can find them in the podcast section of our website at www.oncology-central.com. 